Welcome to Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast, where Mary Malone and her guests have authentic conversations about leadership, navigating transitions, and finding purpose both at work and at home. We hope this conversation will give you the inspiration, power, and courage to reach for greatness while making a difference for someone else. Now, here's your host, Mary Malone McCarthy. Welcome to Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast. My name is Mary Malone, and I am your host. Today is certainly an exciting day, one I've been looking forward to. And we are going to welcome Dr. Kim Townsend, who is the CEO of Loretto. And she's also the author of a fantastic book called Life Circle Leadership, How Exceptional People Make Every Day Extraordinary. I'm looking forward to sharing our conversation with you. I certainly grew and learned from it. And Kim is a leader that never ceases to amaze me with how she thinks first and foremost about her team, her leaders, and how she takes opportunities that can be some of the most challenging of times and turns them into some of the most incredible, impactful moments in an organization. So join me in welcoming Kim, and let's get started on a great discussion. Welcome. I am so pleased to have Kim Townsend here with me today on a conversation leading during such unprecedented times. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here and just speak with your your audience. Thank you. Thank you. And my hope for today's discussion is just kind of a, a general conversation on leadership, kind of inspiring others. I think everybody needs a little pick-me-up right now, um, but also leading during such unprecedented times. I mean, what a historical time as a country, um, mm-hmm. as leaders, and certainly in your role and uh, leading Loretto. Well, it is. It's really, you know, the word unprecedented now feels like it's overuse, but really that's the only word that you can use to describe it, right? Yeah, I mean, who anticipated six months ago being in the midst of a global pandemic and just the radical change that it would bring to every organization. I, I, I don't think that there's any business that has been untouched, and I don't think that there's any uh, individual who hasn't been touched by this. So. Couldn't agree more. And I think the silver lining is we'll all be able to emerge out of this with a different lens, much mm-hmm. stronger, um, thinking about, you know, one of our key stakeholders, the workforce, much differently. So, but Absolutely. let me introduce you to everybody because, uh, again, I, I knew back in, I think it was 2014, I was telling her I was trying to figure out the year, but I knew when I crossed paths with you, it was uh, something that was going to stick with me for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. And I've, I've loved oh. the friendship and the relationship that we've built through the years. And I'm so proud. This is my first of a series that I'm going to do. And the first person I thought of was you. So thank you for for being a part of it. Likewise. And I mean, I'm just so honored to be asked. And and you know that um, I likewise am just so grateful for our friendship and for the sharing that we get to do on a business level and a personal level. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let me formally introduce you. Uh, For those who do not know Kim in our audience today, um, I'm going to give you a brief introduction. Kim Townsend is the president and the CEO of Loretto, a continuing care system located in central New York with assets in skilled nursing, housing, managed care, short-term rehabilitation, and medical adult day care services. Loretto is one of the largest employers in central New York. Prior to joining Loretto, Kim was the Associate General Counsel and Senior Director of Government Affairs for Welch Allen, which is also located in Syracuse, New York. She's been an adjunct professor in the Whitman School of Management at Syracuse University, as well as the Syracuse University College of Law. Kim is the author of one of my favorite books, Life Cycle Leadership, How Exceptional People Make Every Day Extraordinary. And I think the other thing that is so profound about this thing is it really comes down to doing the right thing. Kim is currently a governor's appointee to the New York State Workforce Investment Board. She also serves as a board member and board leadership and board leadership positions for a number of nonprofit organizations. Kim received her BS and MBA from the Whitman School of Management, her JD from Syracuse University College of Law, her MPA from the Maxwell School of Public Administration, and her doctorate in executive leadership from St. John Fisher College. 
She's admitted to practice by the New York State, New Jersey, and Washington, D.C. bars. But most importantly, Kim is a mother of six and a grandmother of five, soon to be six wonderful grandchildren. And she and her husband and her rising senior, uh, high school senior, I should note, reside in Syracuse, New York. So what, what an, an incredible background you have. And again, so glad to have you here. And have Thank you. I'm really thrilled to be here. Great. So we have an abundance of fantastic topics that I think you yes. and I had a great time trying to whittle them down, and we're, we're going to try to stay focused on that. But prior to doing so, you know, just tell me how you are, how your family is, um, you know, and all of those key uh, stakeholders at Loretto that are on the front line leading through this time. Well, I would say that, um, you know, we, we started on this COVID journey at Loretto probably a little bit before other people mm -hmm. um, because we could see what was kind of coming. So along the last week of February, we began to take steps to, um, you know, restrict visitors in our facilities to purchase protective equipment for our employees. So we've been on this journey for several weeks now. And I have to say that it's been exhausting. It's been inspiring, and it's been challenging. Yeah. And uh, and yet, I could say that there are several very, very important things that we've done um, during this time that we're going to continue to carry with us: operational changes and efficiencies different approaches um, to how we connect uh, our residents and participants to their families. There's been, there's been some real positives from, from what has been a very challenging experience. And of course, there's been heartbreaking things as well. It is. And if there's ever a time to pause and say, what can we be doing differently? You know, and, and a lot of times we talked about it, you know, in that long-term strategic plan, but boy, it's right in front of us and we might be trying that tomorrow. You know, I think many times for leaders and organizations. Absolutely. Yeah. It has undoubtedly accelerated many of the things that were in our long-term strategic plan. You know, there's things that that require radical change. And in the absence of a crisis, you might not have the will mm -hmm. to do these things, right. but um, you never can waste a good crisis. And, and I yeah. feel like here at Loretto, we have, we have certainly brought many, many good things to the fore that before might have not have, have been possible. Yeah. So that's, that's a true statement that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so staying with the theme of these unprecedented times, I was curious of what you feel matters most to your team right now and to the many employees that are really turning to you and to leaders, you know, across the country and the globe to kind of manage during these unprecedented times. I think that leaders today almost have to be that grounding force and that voice. Um, and so what do you think matters most for employees and organizations right now that leaders need to pay attention to? Well, what I find with our employees, what matters most to them are a few things. And I believe that it was the same a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago as it is today. And that is people in general really just want to be seen Mm -hmm. They want to be heard mm -hmm. and they want to be valued. Mm -hmm. So they want the excellent work that they do and they want what they're going through to be seen by leaders. Yes. They want to be to have their opinions, their suggestions, their concerns heard by leaders. Yeah. And likewise, they want those to be valued. And so um, I think that that's just core human needs. Mm -hmm. um, I think that from a leadership perspective, it's important to not only do those things, but, you know, we all talk about how we care about our employees. And I think in a crisis, it's important to make those words demonstrable in yeah. our actions. Yeah. So some of the challenges that our employees faced in the first three, four weeks of coronavirus were, for example, when schools closed. Mm -hmm. 
very practical problem for our employees just in terms of childcare. Right. And so we um, set up an internal exchange, a child care board, where we connected our employees to child care resources in the community. But likewise, we allowed them to exchange with each other because in some cases they felt more comfortable having a co-worker's college-age child home from school caring for their children than they did bringing them to a communal daycare or childcare situation. Likewise, another challenge um, that some of our employees had is they were working double shifts, longer hours, and by the time they got to the grocery store, there's nothing on the shelves. Right. And so, right, very practical problem. And likewise, all the children were home from school. And in Syracuse City School Districts, you could pick up food for your children. But that you can't do that if you're working. Right. And so we did a survey among our employees and found that over 400 employees said they had less than a day's worth of food in their homes. So we did emergency food bags. So really turning those caring words into demonstrable acts that yeah, that totally. showed that not only are we telling you we care, we care about you, but we're showing you that we care about yeah. you. And I really think that was, that's been a winning combination for us. Absolutely. And there is something about that of, you know, we hear you mm-hmm. and, you know, as, as, you know, we hear you, but, and here's what we're going to do about that, you know, mm-hmm. is, is we're going to, we're going to kind of build a system that works not off the shelf, but as the example you gave of someone maybe more comfortable with their child being with another person that they know that they may share different shifts or you know something along those lines. So I think that's remarkable. And, and as leaders, I think we do have to hear, but put that what we're hearing into action um, because that's that trust part of it. And that seeing part is yeah. really, really should result in thank you. Yes. Sincere and genuine, specific expression of gratitude. Thank you for picking up that extra shift because your coworker couldn't be there for their shift for some reason. Thank you for going the extra mile to connect that resident to their child because we can't have visitors in the building, right? Thank Mm -hmm. you. Yes, exactly. Simple words that really are priceless. Yeah. And I'm finding great talent today is actually taking a step back. And if they're not seeing in that organizations, they're making a conscious decision that they want to join organizations, that they do feel heard, that their values do align, that they are part of all those types of things. So I think that that's that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Sort of leads me into my next question is that, you know, again, so much has changed over the past four months at high speed, you know, speeds we couldn't even imagine. So as you're looking out to the future and you envision this new, you know, what will the workplace look like? What do you think organizations and leaders need to be thinking about? Because it's simply not going to be where we were before. Well, you know, I I kept our strategic planning horizon very simple. I describe our strategic plan in nine words. And short term, it was liquidity, medium term, it's solvency, long term, it's sustainability. And that's something that all of us can grasp. I think from in terms of what's going to look different, that goes back to what we talked about of how we're accelerating Mm -hmm. some of the things that were on our longer term strategic horizon. And so the two words that come to mind for me are digitalization Mm -hmm. and upskilling. So in every part of our business, we are looking for opportunities to um, find technological solutions for human problems. And as part of that, you know, so for example, we have done a great job. We've done over 40,000 FaceTime or Zoom visits between our residents and their family members in the last three months. Mm. And so that's something we're going to continue to do. 
Likewise, we had a telehealth presence mm-hmm. um, in, in one of our strategic business units, but we've now expanded that across the system. So telehealth is actually our default and preferred way to connect our residents to their health care providers. Mm-hmm. And so those are two examples of things that we would have done, we yeah. would have gotten to, but this crisis has accelerated that. That's true for um, hot spotting in terms of tracking coronavirus and contact tracing across our system of 10,000 people. Mm. Um, so there are several areas where we're looking for technological solutions to human problems. And what goes along with that, of course, necessarily, is upskilling at every level of our organization. Yeah. And so we are looking for every person who works at Loretto to be a person who can take data, can analyze data, and can problem solve based on that Everything from the person who's working in our food service business on the line to the administrators and vice presidents of our units. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's very exciting, I think, to employees when you can show them that the plan is to continue to give them highly transferable skills that are going to make them more marketable and more useful and valuable, not only here at Loretto, but everywhere else that they might want to go. Yeah. And you you made a great comment in one of our conversations previously that, you know, it's more the upscaling that you do and how from the technology standpoint, you can be more focused on that, more efficient. It gives your employees more time to spend with the patients, caring for them, communicating with the families. And that is tremendous because I think sometimes there's this fear of they're driving all towards technology and analytics. They're going to take the people part away. Mm -hmm. You're actually saying the opposite. No, we want to devote more time. Let's get away from these tasks that are manual and slowing us down from doing what we're best at. And that's taking care of those we serve. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think a lot of times there is a fear when you hear, oh, we're automation or technology or digitalization. When you hear those phrases, you think, oh, fewer people, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be getting rid of people or they're going to try to replace people with computers and technology machines, whatever. And what we're saying is, no, we're, we're fixing processes yeah. It's going to make your job more interesting, yeah. uh, potentially, to your point in caregiving, more meaningful and more in line with what people, you know, if you if you go to nursing school or you went into a caring profession, most of the people we employ are caregivers. Yeah. And this allows you to care more and do less of the more manual and tedious parts of the job. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. You know, and I just wanted to certainly recognize that you guys are, are really on that journey. And I think at a, at a pretty um, amazing pace with that, because again, we've had to. You right. know, at M3, we're seeing more, in fact, I just had a call earlier today of the strategy around HR, the strategy around talent, but the strategy around leaders trying to develop their skills, whether leaders are stepping forth and saying, I need to really focus on my skills as an up-and-coming leader or existing leaders and or the organizations are saying, we need to invest in our leaders. You know, as a leader and, and leading through transitions in different organizations in, in certainly, you know, at Loretto, a COVID being, you know, just such a crisis time for you. What recommendations or thoughts would you share with up and coming leaders on skills that they really need to be honing in on and focusing? Well, I think any leader of any organization, not just healthcare, has to become very comfortable with chaos, a yeah. little bit of chaos and uncertainty. Yeah. There used to be a category of, of businesses that were described as VUCA businesses, right? Volatile, uncertain, mm-hmm. 
um, you know, chaotic, ambiguous, but I think all of us are yeah. really operating in VUCA environment. Yeah. So I think that those skills that are really important um, for leaders to develop, aside from the ability to be comfortable with that and to make hard calls in yeah. the absence of all the facts. Yeah. I, I think really what those are two core skills, but I think really, you know, the ability to be transparent mm-hmm. in our communication, dealing with broad groups of stakeholders. I mean, your your message to your employees versus, in our case, our families versus our residents versus the community there should be an overarching, consistent message there, but the delivery of that and the emphasis of that may look a little bit different, but it always has to be organizational honesty and transparency. Yes. And uh, I think that's incredibly important. And I think empathy, if you want to lead people through change, yeah. you have to understand the impact of that change on their lives. Yeah. You know, I hear from employees, my, I have an open door policy. My cell phone is listed on our website and I have employees and family members and residents call me all the time. And the number one thing they're looking for is honesty, transparency, and empathy. Yeah. And, um, those are just critical. Those are the soft skills that accompany those hearts, decision-making skills and, and tactical skills and decision-making. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, kind of packaged all around being authentic is what you're saying. And and sometimes as leaders, we don't have the answers and that's okay. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But I think a person almost is relieved to say, okay, but we're going to find out and we're going to work through this together and get back to you. So, so I think that that's fantastic. And and there are times that somebody will ask me a question and perhaps it relates to, you know, a fellow employee Mm -hmm. or perhaps it relates to a resident or family. And it's okay to say, I can't share Mm -hmm. what I know with you because of privacy or, you know, and, and likewise, I would extend the same to you. So it's okay to say, I don't know the answer, but I'll get it. Yeah. And it's okay to say, I, I can't share that with yeah. you, but I do hear what your, what your concerns are. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think leadership now today, you know, there's so much, I mean, my passion is around strategy and HR, talent, recruiting some of the best out there. And um, I feel like I'm always learning on the job, but you know, the role of HR today as leaders and that trusted partner to CEOs is mission critical. And um, I think that HR was a role in a department for many years that an organization had. Now they're becoming, the word as I just years is strategy and Mm -hmm. the talent recruitment retention all of those roles and really the trusted advisor for a ceo that hr leader needs to know the business inside and out to be that confidential trusted advisor how do you see the role around um that that hr leadership role changing in an organization and how leaders can be counting on that person um, differently if they aren't already many are So I could not agree with you more. I think the importance of the um, CHRO role has certainly been elevated. And and probably it should have always been there because really your chief human resource officer is the link between people in your financial outcomes and performances, right? And so I always say every problem is a people problem. Mm -hmm. If you have a strategy problem, you have a people problem. You have a financial problem, you have a people problem. So I think that that role has been elevated in stature. and, And that's why when we recently hired what has been a VP of HR role, we morphed that into a chief human resources officer role. And really, I see that as part of a 
core team, almost like we think of G7. Um, I think that HBR, uh, Harvard Business Review, is the one that coined it. The CHRO should be part of G3, which is the CEO, the CFO, and your CHRO, because those are the three individuals who have the overall view of the business, Mm -hmm. and those are the people that can keep their eyes on that strategic long-range planning and broader view, while you may have other very, very capable leaders on the ground managing and operating those businesses on the day-to-day basis. But it's those three roles that have the luxury of stepping back and guiding the ship. And that's something that we certainly do here at Loretto. When there's critical issues that will have a system-wide impact, the three roles in the room are CEO, CFO, CHRO. Fantastic. Absolutely. And, and you know, when you talk about the issues, the challenges, but also the successes in, in all the costs that are associated with that, you know. Opportunities. Are, yeah. Assessing opportunities, right? Absolutely. Wide impacts. Yep. Um, connecting the people work with the outcomes. Of course, it's a direct it's a line. It's a win-win. Absolutely. So, Kim, in your book, Lifecycle Leadership, there's some staggering statistics that I think, you know, are just sort of jaw-dropping about cost related to the growing concerns around um, the well-being of individuals, the mental health issues. And there's really no family, no organization that hasn't been touched by all of these. And you spent a lot of valuable time discussing the role as the leader and kind of navigating through these times, but also as a leader focusing on the whole self that, you know, as we as leaders, we have to focus on us to then in turn lead in these organizations and manage through, you know, many of these challenging times. And you referenced saying, you know, our societal issues are key issues that we're facing every day in our workforce. And so much of that starts with your leadership team, right? You know, and how do you handle these? Because, you know, they're every day, all day, um, and the stakeholders are such a key part of that organization. With that said, I don't know if you want to share some of these statistics that are now impacting the workforce. And I also think that we have a role to play to, to perhaps help these individuals and their families at work. Mm-hmm. So I think that those statistics, which were part of book one and book two is coming. Oh, fantastic. Yes, Lessons in Life Circle Leadership. That'll be out in the September, October timeframe. But I mean, a lot of those statistics now are even more stark over the last four months um, that we've been dealing with, you know, 40 million people unemployed, uh, 120,000 deaths from coronavirus, um, the cases associated with that. Actually, I was reading a statistic the other day that 44% of women surveyed from the ages of 18 to 39 are describing themselves as anxious and depressed now mm. versus 11% a year ago. What? So that alone tells you right there Women in particular, but all people are feeling the stress of working full-time, sometimes remotely from home, while homeschooling multiple children, while taking care and keeping their family safe, while looking out for older members or Mm -hmm. immune-compromised members of their family. So it's just a very, very heavy burden. And I think the most important thing goes back to the first thing we discussed is really taking a temperature of the needs of your employees and finding out what you can do as a leader, as the leader of the organization to support them Mm. in, in what they're facing in their lives. Now, Here with our workforce, 65% of our frontline caregivers are women of color, mostly head of household, and they're coming from those very, very impoverished zip codes, the most impoverished zip codes in the United States. So 
there are things that we do for our employees to support them that are appropriate to us, which would be very different than if we were a different employer. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to be in tune with the needs of your workforce and to to deal with those holistically. I always feel that healthcare is a point of service business. Mm. So the care you receive as a patient is only as good as the individual who's standing in front of you delivering that care. Mm. And if that person is housing insecure or food insecure or is dealing with challenges associated with children or is caregiving multiple generations of their families, children, grandchildren, grandparents, right. uh, that's going to be very hard to, to, to bring all their resources to bear to deliver that exceptional care. So we try to be very flexible and very responsive yeah. in how we support our employees. And, and that's worked very well for us. A, a very clear example is our diaper bank. So each yeah. month, we give out 13,000 free diapers to our employees for their children. And in 50% of the cases, to grandparents who are raising their grandchildren. And so that's something um, for us that has been uh, a a home run, a complete home run. Everyone loves the diaper, free diaper bank program. Likewise, we do free urgent care for employees and families on our main campus sites. And that's just helpful to our workforce. But I think everyone has to do what's appropriate in meeting the needs of their workforce. You know, I read about, you know, Google, where they have yoga classes at lunch and, you know, they have a 24-hour cafeteria. I mean, that's what's appropriate in their their setting. And likewise, we do what's appropriate in our setting for our employees. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when you think about differentiating yourself as an employer, um, boy, I mean, the the flag's got to be waving high and proud because, you know, people can come to work at Loretto and just know that there's an army of people that have got their arms around there and literally, you know, watching their back and taking care of them, listening and reacting to the exact needs of, of what you have, um, going home, you know, taking care of your family, taking care of extended family, taking care of raising your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as if they come home from work, knowing that they can take care of their family and focus on their family, um, that really says a lot about the organizations that they're a part of. We describe what we do here as the Loretto family. Yeah. So I always say we are not only a family to the people that we care for, but we are likewise a family to each other. And so that's something that's part of our culture and DNA, this sense that when I come to Loretto, um, there's an expectation that I'm part of a caring group of people who are going to help me if I need help, because we all need help. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm curious with all of that said, you know, when you're looking to hire um, into leadership roles in the organization or you're looking at up and coming leaders at Loretto, what are you looking for? You know, if someone's out there thinking, okay, what skills do I need to develop or what do I need to, how do I need to show up differently and be more conscious as a leader? What are you looking for when you're sitting across the table and having a conversation with someone? Well, I think it's always incredibly important in hiring to hire for fit, right? Fit to culture. And so for us, Loretto is a 96-year-old organization. And so fit for us um, goes back really to those nuns in 1926 who delivered care. We are looking for people that are caring. We have a deep sense of caring that have a sense of mission Mm -hmm. and have a, a purpose in their lives, right? And that purpose is around 
delivering care to individuals at the most vulnerable points of their life. And that was true in 1926, and mm-hmm. that is true today. Yeah. I would add on to that that we look for people who are, who are inclusive. We set a large table at Loretto, and we invite everyone to the table. And every voice is heard, and every voice is valued. Mm. So that's critically important that people are willing to be part, to be sitting at that big table. Absolutely. That they're willing to be open and of other people's um, views, which may be different from their own. Mm-hmm. And likewise, that they're willing to participate in those conversations, sometimes very hard conversations, but they're able to do it in a productive way. Yes. But I, I think those are the critical elements that we look for. Fantastic. And just there's something about, I use the word again, authentic, you know, and, and paying attention. There's a lot of um, personal and professional development that for leaders. And you talk about, again, that whole self. And one of the things I love is today, there's so much more permission around talking about mindfulness and emotional intelligence. And, you know, the leaders that are thriving are those that have high emotional intelligence levels that are very open about, you know, their authentic selves and who they are. And so you do talk a lot about that, you know, that we can't lead well, whether it's, you know, in our organizations or leading at home or in our communities without investing in ourselves. So tell us a little bit more about how you do that and, and how you recommend to other leaders. I think in particular for women, you know, I always, mm-hmm. my joke is I always say, you know, my tank is so far below empty that I'd be happy if I could just get up to empty because I could be mm-hmm. treading water some days. And so I think a lot of us feel that way. Well, you know, I think it was Maya Angelou, the author, who said that people will forget what you said mm-hmm. and what you did but they will never forget how you made them feel. One of my favorites quotes. Absolutely. And so I think we've all worked with individuals. I know I've worked with individuals who were extremely high performers, but they left a wake of bodies behind them. And uh, that's really destructive to the culture and to the spirit of an organization. So when I speak to women leaders, and I, I agree with you, women, we know from a societal perspective, it's just a truth and a reality that yeah. women still bear a heavy burden of caregiving of family members. We know that there's still a very, very small percentage of women who make it into the C-suite or mm-hmm. make it onto those, you know, choice board positions at Fortune 500 companies. And so what I always share with people is uh, I think women, and and there was a survey that was done, I think it was by the Center for Creative Leadership, that said that women frequently receive a lot of advice of how to enhance their interpersonal skills, their communication skills, And I believe that all of those skills are critically important, but I always encourage women to to do not ignore the hard skills, Mm. right? Do not ignore the hard skill of being able to follow your way around a P&L, a profit Mm -hmm. and loss statement. Do not ignore the skill of feeling comfortable with those very challenging conversations with employees around performance. Don't ignore the skill of um, being able to to chair a board meeting and to stand toe-to-toe um, with with leaders in the community, with politicians, with with prominent board members. So you've got to have the hard skills and the soft skills. I think the challenge for women, as you noted, is because we still have um, a heavy load yeah. um, from a societal perspective around caregiving and expectations and very real barriers. I mean, the only industrialized nation that does not have high-quality, affordable, universal child care, only industrialized country, the United States, incredible challenge Mm. for 
her families. And so I think that the women do tend to give and give and give until their emotional bank account is overdrawn. And it is difficult to give from an empty well, right? I always encourage women likewise, you know, focus on hard skills, focus on soft skills, but also be very careful that you're doing things that that fill your emotional bank account, yeah. whether that's um, your weekly book club with with friends, whether that's um, volunteering uh, for things that are incredibly meaningful for you, whatever that is. I think it is women we do need to focus, and everyone really needs to focus on 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 giving themselves permission to do those things that really fill your cup and recharge your, your energy. Absolutely. Particularly for leaders. Yeah. And I think so often we just keep putting that low on the list. You know, I'll get to that next week, get to that next week. And it's so true. And I, and I love what great advice about pay attention to those hard skills and, you know, and, and really look those challenging ones right in the face and tackle them. And I think there's something about just getting in the ring, you know, you're going to fall down, you're going to make mistakes and, but you're going to be stronger as you work through those. But I think we're, as women, we tend to hold back until we feel like we've, we've aced everything because we want to, we want to be perfect and it's okay to get in there and learn on the job as many Many people do, you know, but um, I think we don't give ourselves permission to do that at all. Well, and there's been studies around that that show, um, you know, and and these are just differences between men and women. It could be societally based. Who, Who knows what it's based on? But there have been studies that have shown that men will tend to lean into a job description. They may look at it and they may assess, I've got 30% of these skills, but you know what? I'll figure out the rest once I'm here. Women will look at it and they'll, even if they've got 70% of the skills, they'll focus on the 30 that they don't have. And they'll say, Ooh, I'm not really quite qualified for that job. So I agree with you. I think we, I think we do have to, um, to push ourselves into into the ring and to take on those highly visible stretch assignments and to take on those job duties that maybe we we didn't know how to do we don't know how to do with a commitment to ourselves that we're going to learn it We'll get there. We'll get there. And I think there's something about a great leader about surrounding yourself with those that maybe have strengths that you don't. And so, you know, I think that's okay. Just jump in and just surround yourself with uh, a diverse team um, Mm -hmm. that will be able to support you in areas that you want to develop that you may not have. But I think it's it's great to have those abilities as well. So, um, well, and and I always say of, of the people that are on my senior leadership team, every single one of the people on my senior leadership team is what I refer to as a utility player. Mm. This is a person that they might be the CHRO, they might be my chief marketing officer, they might be my general counsel, but these are all individuals who can jump out of their role into other roles and add value. They have the willingness to do it. They have the courage to do it. Mm. And uh, competent people are competent people. And they bring those strengths with them, that willingness, that willingness to learn, the willingness to just step in and help out if they can. And, uh, and so we, I really rely on that team. To your point, I can't have every area of expertise that this is needed by this organization. I need great people around me and I have great people around me. And part of what makes them great is that willingness to jump in and bring their best even to tasks and initiatives that are outside their area of expertise. And I, I think that that's a very, very valuable skill to have is to be that utility player. 
Love it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, if I went back to my question of what would you be looking for, mm-hmm. you know, as people are thinking, I, you know, I want to grow, I want to develop, I would love to be a part of Loretto someday or M3. I think it's true. You've got to be willing to, you know, be that utility team player that's going to back each other up, support each other and, um, you know, really go to the end of the line. Um, I love this visual that someone gave me once of, you know, a leader climbing a mountain. And, you know, this person said, I want this leadership team side by side with me. We're climbing this mountain together. And sometimes you do have to turn around and pull a person up, but that's not full time. You know, you sometimes that person that's getting pulled up can be you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think we've been so very successful in attracting and retaining high, high talent uh, millennials because we're an organization that has a clear mission. 94% of the people in our employee engagement um, survey a year ago said, I know why I'm here, I know what we do, and I know why we do it. So. So um, I think the reason that we've been so successful with millennials is because we tell them from the beginning, you may be starting out in our organization at one place, but your dream is to be an administrator of a skilled nursing facility. We will get you there and we do that, right? So, And you want to, right? You want to see those successes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, you used the word courage, and, and I think that was that's a word that I would uh, you know put along with Kim Townsend, along with many others, um, of all that you've accomplished in your career. And I guess in closing, you know, who inspires you? Because you certainly have never stopped. You kept going, whether it was one degree on top of another, from your legal, all of these fantastic things, and now leading an organization like Loretta, especially through such a, a tumultuous time. Who inspires you and and keeps you going every day? Well, you know, I think I'm I'm inspired by the people that I work with. And I'm inspired by the residents across our system. So, you know, as I talk to, to residents and hear their life experiences, that's inspirational to me. Mm-hmm. As I think the two things that have been most inspirational inspirational to me through coronavirus have been um, our employees and the incredible lengths that they have gone to and continue to go to to keep their residents safe. Mm. And they're dealing with you know, keeping their families safe, homeschooling children, uh, working full time, managing households. But they have a myriad of things that they're dealing with. But just their love and care and concern and the lengths that they have gone to, to keep people safe has been incredibly inspiring to me. And then the other thing that's been incredibly inspiring to me through all of this has just been the incredible generosity of our community. Um, And we have just, we have seen uh, people that really weren't donors before who, who we weren't necessarily touching before who have come forward and said, you know, Five years ago, my mother lived on Cunningham 9, and I remember how loving and caring people were for her and how important that was for her in the final years of her life. And what can I do to help you? You know, can I do an in-kind donation and pay for food for a floor? Um, We had businesses donate face shields that they were manufacturing. That was uh, Hillrom. We just saw incredible generosity. The Food Truck Alliance Mm. has been here so frequently. I can't even tell you how many times. It feels like every time I turn around, I'm writing another personal thank you note to the president to say thank you to your members for showing up for our employees. People are working long hours and boy, there's nothing better than having a great home cooked meal right there for you at work. And, and so, um, 
you know, I, I think through all of this, you know, there's been a lot of news on, you know, people getting stabbed because of social distancing or crises between people because some people refuse to wear masks. I mean, there has been all of that noise and, and that happens. That's human. But what I've really focused on and been just incredibly inspired by is just the incredible generosity of the human spirit of people really showing up for people they don't know, may never meet, but still they're there for them. And that has just been, um, that's been incredibly inspiring for me as a leader. It inspires me to be a better person. It sure does. It sure does. And I, and I think that the generosity, like you said, is, is inspiring to so many and it just, it's contagious and, yes. and that's good contagious. I like to say that that one, let's spread more of that, you know, because I think in our organizations and our communities and, you know, if we can just kind of package and preserve that and to see the impact that it's made on um, individuals, their families, um, the organizations, I think, you know, there, there's going to be some some incredibly positive lessons. We've talked about some of them today as we emerge out of this. And I think that we can only grow um, mm-hmm. and we can only step up and we can only step into that ring and, and test those hard skills, test those hard conversations um, mm-hmm. and to learn more about ourselves as leaders. But this has been fantastic. And I think you've provided just a wealth of information and um, stories and examples about, you know, bringing out the best as a leader. And, and not only, I guess, I think some of the existing leaders needed a little energy, um, needed, you know, a little pick me up to say, okay, I got to keep going. And I think this was perfect. And I think those rising leaders today, and if they don't have life cycle leadership, they better get it now and read it because number two is coming out soon, which I'll be looking for. But I think it really comes back to kind of the human spirit. And I, I am a firm believer that we can make a difference in this world and our communities by working from the inside out. And that's in our organizations and our families. And you certainly have led that cause. And, and I'm proud to, to talk with you today and to certainly call you a friend, Kim. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much for this conversation. And thank you to your to your audience for tuning in. And um, I think that it's just it's really an exciting time to be a leader. It's a hard time to be a leader. But I would encourage people don't don't shy away from the mantle of leadership because we need great people. We do. Our country needs great people and our world needs great people. They need world changers and, and game changers. And and so I would just encourage people, just as you have, to, to step in the ring and take that up. That's fantastic. Well, thank you. And we'll probably circle yeah. back and have another conversation with the second book. Great. Excellent. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. For more information on our vision, please visit m3placement.com.